Thank you for being here today. A very special day. Dr. Arthur Kaplan has come back. Art Kaplan, uh, one of my favorite guests. He's the Dr. William F. and Virginia Connolly Mitty Professor of Bioethics at the New York University Langone Medical Center. Founding Director of the Division of Medical Ethics. Dr. Kaplan is the author or editor of 35 books, more than 800 papers, peer-reviewed journals, and his most recent books, Vaccination, Ethics, and Policy. Uh, I see you all on the restream, and I'm watching you also over at Clubhouse. We probably will not take calls, though I don't know. Um, Dr. Captain only has about 30 minutes with me here, but I will be taking some calls, I suspect, after that. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Since the beginning of the pandemic, nearly one in five Americans has reported consuming an unhealthy amount of alcohol. Could be you, but only 10% of them are actually getting the help they need. Reframe is a neuroscience-based smartphone app that helps users cut back or quit drinking alcohol altogether. Using evidence-based tools, techniques, and content, Reframe guides users through a personalized program to help them reach their goals. Comprised of daily tasks, a comprehensive toolkit, a community forum, and accountability guides, Reframe is a modern, accessible, and affordable resource that can help anyone looking to reevaluate their relationship with alcohol. Reframe is backed by Harvard University and Emory University Schools of Medicine, and it is ranked the number one alcohol reduction smartphone app worldwide with over 350,000 downloads. With Reframe, there's no stigma, just science, no labels, just support. To learn more, go to joinreframeapp.com slash Dr. Drew. Use the code Dr. Drew for 25% off your first month or your annual subscription. That's at joinreframeapp.com slash Dr. Drew. So please welcome Dr. Art Kaplan. Hey, Drew. Thanks How for you, having sir? me. Very good. It is a privilege as always. As always. So uh, uh, before we get into some specific questions I have, I, I'm just wondering if, if you have any updated thinking. Uh, last time we talked, uh, I think we were talking about mandates and the ethics around that. But has, has your thinking changed in any way that, that you know, you sort of think to yourself, um, you know, I, I've, I've moved in my, my thinking for some reason? Yeah, a little bit. I understand that people are getting tired of masks. And I hear it in the debates where I am in Connecticut and the New York area. Some parents are just saying they're done with masks. They don't want to do any more masks. They worry about the impact on the kids' psychosocial development. I don't know that there's much evidence mm -hmm. that masking harms kids. Maybe you've seen stuff, Drew. I haven't seen much, but you know, I trust parental intuition on this a little bit too, in terms of what they see mm -hmm. in their own kids. So look, the uh, tool that I think is our best weapon is vaccination. And it's three shots, mm -hmm. not two. I haven't changed my mind about that. Does it keep you from getting infected? Not much. Does it keep you from being dead? Yes. And so mm -hmm. that's the tool we want to use. I'm also 
disappointed if we're going to start unmasking, which I think we are, that some people at the CDC can argue about it, but I think that's over. State after state is abandoning their mask mandates. It would be nice if we had more testing. I, I, I don't know about the listeners, but I haven't gotten my four free tests yet from Joe Biden. Remember the uh, test kits? Mm-hmm. I applied, mm-hmm. nothing yep. here. Yep. I might add, you know, four tests would be nice. How about four tests a week? I mean, what you really yeah. want to do is test people and say, if you're positive, stay home. And you'll protect other people that way. And that's the smart thing to do. We cannot seem to get our act together around tests. So I've tuned up the volume on that gripe. And there's a bit of good news. We have some antiviral pills coming. They're not here yet, but they're coming. And, we, you know, we worked our way out of HIV with pills, not vaccines. We still don't have an HIV vaccine. Mm-hmm. But if you can get an antiviral pill that knocks out the COVID virus and that it, if you take it five, six days after, you know, you're positive, that would be a huge breakthrough. And really, I think when we get that, that signals light at the end of the tunnel, we're out of this thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I, I, you know, from an, I'm trying to stay in sort of an ethical domain. One of the ethical questions I've had is this, what you sort of raised about testing generally. The thing about Omicron is that the rapid test and the test you can do in the home are literally all over the place. They are all over the place. Uh, they are extremely non-predictive if you're negative, and they're also non-predictive of much if you're positive, except having had the illness. So it, it worries me that we start relying on these tests that are that are sort of inaccurate. But it does raise my question which is we have much more sophisticated tests out there for mm-hmm. checking neutralizing antibodies and nuclear capsid antibodies and really coming up with a, 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 spec, a spray, a spectrum that we could, if we worked at standardizing, we could be able to establish relative immunity from whatever, vaccine, natural immunity. And there's been no movement in that direction. That's been stunning to me. We we have the test out there. They've just not, not invested the time and the energy in sort of coming up with really good tests that we standardize and say, yes, you have a high probability of immunity. No, you don't. Be careful or get another vaccine, whatever it might be. How can we be two plus years into this thing and not have solid testing? And it's not that the science yeah. doesn't exist. It does. Yeah. I, part yeah. of the answer is Trump. Part of the answer is Trump. He put all the chits on vaccines. You know, it was vaccines. We're going to vaccinate our way out. Didn't mm-hmm. spend much on anything else. Uh, Biden has done nothing, I think, to accelerate uh, the availability of reliable testing. You know, with the sort of half-baked tests that are out there, what you really got to do is get a positive, you know, three in a row, uh, get a negative three in a row. You know, yeah. get my That's single right. test. I am sneering about, you know, what do you mean we get four tests each (laughs) for the next six months? So morally, I think our leadership let us down here. You need emphasis on vaccine, okay with masking during the heyday of COVID, okay with the antivirals, but let's manufacture them and make sure they're affordable. And let's still make the push on testing. I keep thinking, God forbid, what if we get another weirdo variant showing up here uh, from somewhere? Yeah. Of uh, COVID. Yeah. We need tests. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. So the, so you see that same 
that's how that's how I sort of see that landscape. I, I also see an ethical problem in the antivirals in that they they are extremely efficacious. They are available. They are free. The government has already bought them all, and they've just done a terrible job of distributing them. I almost had a patient die because I couldn't get in the antivirals I needed. They just developed a website where you can look at local pharmacies and see who has what. Thank God they have done that. But that is a new thing. Uh, to me, that was one of the scandals of this whole this whole outbreak. You know, we're triaging, I'm told, at NYU. I'm not in the ICU direct, but I, you know, my students are there, my former students are there, and they say they have some antibody, not antivirals, but the antibody that works, but it's really down to uh, rationing, which is, again, we don't want to be in a rationing situation either with antivirals or the uh, version of the antibody that does work against COVID. And you keep wondering for all the back and forth that we get on the mask issue and all the effort that is being put into, you know, hold the line on mask. If you're going to fight a rear guard action and you're going to lose, then I'd rather move on to the manufacturer distribution, affordability, education. People need to know that they're yeah. out there for this stuff. Then, then continuing to haggle last, you know, the last war's battle. Yeah. And, and you mentioned education. That, that to me is the other magnificent shortfall in this entire thing that, that we've just done a horrible job. I, I'm actually developing deep sympathies for people that are absolutely exercised about, like I, um, I listened to a Peter Atia podcast where he said he had to adjudicate, and he went to adjudicate in a family where the parents were triple vaxxed, good, but just freaked out that the son wasn't vaccinated. And the son had reasons for not wanting to and whatever. And he asked a simple question of the father. He goes, what do you figure your son's risk of hospitalization and death is if he doesn't get vaccinated? Oh, it's definitely 50%. It's 50%. <laughs> that is a public health failure. That is a public health abject failure. And I feel bad for those people. Those are the same people that are you know, fearful. We've just created this, this group that is just extremely afraid of everything and cannot properly sort of assess their risk and you know, how to move safely in the world. Well, you know, part of the issue is we stink at risk. So when you're trying to explain risk to people, you need to bring in metaphors. It's like, well, this, uh, get vaccinated. You're going to cut your risk from sort of the chance of you being in a car accident to the chance of you, you know, getting hit as a pedestrian across the street. I'm making this up. I'm just looking for metaphors right, to right. make it clear. Right. Uh, a lot of right. people would be happy to live with risks that uh, they understood too were variable according to the group, right? My risk yep. is not your risk, is not my kid's risk, is not uh, the immunocompromised person's risk. So there are different reasons for prudence and caution, but we treat it also as one size fits all. That's confusing. Makes people misunderstand what's going on. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, one second. Wish Chris, we did get that. I'm making her a note here. Um, to, to, this is another point. Last time we talked, you really educated me about how the vaccine has to, or any interventions, has to really benefit the individual. That's sort of the, a primary ethical um, parameter. I, I, am, I, am I getting that correctly? Did I, did I understand that right? Well, you certainly want to make the case that to get vaccinated, it's in your interest. 
that leads yes, most yes. people to, to behavior. You can also say it helps others. Okay. That's that's nice, but I think that's a little more yeah. frosting on the moral cake, as they say. The the driver is what's in it for me. That's what a lot of people want to know. So I, I wonder I mean, about. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say so. Looking, it isn't just I'm going to save myself and I'll get vaccinated. It could be I want to save grandpa, so I'm going to get vaccinated because grandpa can't. He's too sick or too immune suppressed. So I'll do what I can, masking, vaccinating to keep, you know, the virus out of the house because it's important to me to have grandpa. So I don't mean to say it's only self-regard that drives why people do things, but self-regard can extend. I care about my family. I care about my kids. You know, I heard something drove me nuts recently. People were starting to say they're not sure they should get rabies vaccines for their dogs because they've become so turned off by vaccine messaging oh, that they don't know if they're safe. It's like, yeah. it's this, safe. This is don't the problem. kill your pet. Yeah. Yeah, th this is this is how we're going to get into big, big trouble. Th this is what everyone's fearful of, that, that uh, the backlash on vaccines generally is going to be an unhealth message, you know, health um, sort of just the, the, the participation with the healthcare system is going to be bizarre going forward. But, I, I am but terrified I, I, we're going to see people try to turn back childhood vaccination. The anti-vax movement got strong. There's a lot of distrust out there. You know, it's one thing to argue about how effective and what's the big risk of COVID if you're relatively healthy or young. It's another thing to say, you really don't want hepatitis. It's bad to have measles. It isn't good to have mumps. It really isn't a good idea to have a variety of bad childhood diseases. The evidence there right. is strong. We've got the data. I think you and I are going to be talking about this in six months. I, I'm afraid that's true. That, that's one of my great, one of my many fears. Um, but back to education, I, I feel like I, I worry if there's an, I wonder if there's an ethical issue with the over the top preoccupation with this one illness to the disregard for other things. For instance, let me just bring up some basic data for a 15 to 25 year old. This is again, Atia's data for overdose, su suicide, motor vehicle accident, and homicide. Those are all 10 times more likely than a COVID death. And yet none of those things are being aggressively addressed. It's particularly not for the suicide and the overdose issues, which are running amok because of the interventions on COVID. What, what, how, do uh -oh. we, how do we get that balance back? Yeah, you do need the balance. There's no doubt about that. Look, COVID's been terrible. Certainly 900,000 USA deaths in two years is nothing to sneer at. That's a lot of deaths, many of which I think could have been prevented. But it doesn't mean that cancer went away. It doesn't mean that you don't need to get your breast exam or your colonoscopy. I constantly am hearing from people now who say I delayed surveillance for cancer. I was diagnosed at a later stage. You know they're going to face a bigger risk of disability and death because of that. There are plenty of people. I yep. mean, we didn't have the world. I feel silly telling you this, but we didn't have the world's greatest mental health system to begin with. Now, oh my God. with people. We were, we know, were, <laughs> yeah, we were in trouble and now we are just, it's, it's, right. it's sort of absurd. It's like, like, it's like, you got to be kidding the way it is now. Yeah, so I completely agree with you. What that, that, do you do about 
what are we going to do about suicide? What are we going to do about depression? What are we going to do about dysfunction? Because you can't work. We weren't doing great with addiction and all the rest of it before COVID. <laughs> now we've got this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I consider that one of the great moral failures of American healthcare. We talk about parity with mental health and physical health. We say that we take the uh, mental health side seriously. You just look at the opioid crisis and the numbers harmed and hurt and dead there. We are hypocrites. We do not still take mental health seriously. And I'm sorry to tell you that because I know you understand well, this very yeah. well. But it's well, no, I, and I appreciate it. I, I, I appreciate it because I, I've heard the same rhetoric for primary care. We're going to empower primary care and we're going to have equity. I've been through three waves of equity for <laughs> mental health services. What, what they always leave out, all, to make the equity, all they have to do is say the physician opinion determines the course of treatment rather than the insurance resources criteria. That's that's all you got to do, and you have parity. Uh, it's so interesting. I, I never had any trouble scaring the crap out of insurance companies invoking medical, minor medical problems to keep people in a psychiatric hospital, but their real needs for treatment, the psychiatric needs were completely disregarded. Yeah. Get them out of here. It's really something yeah. else. It's just beyond. I mean, beyond. again, but, one yeah. more complaint just so listeners hear about it. And again, you know this well, but I want people to understand in most situations, you can hold somebody with a mental illness for 48 hours. Who fixed anybody from a mental illness in 48 hours? Freud? Yeah. I don't know. Who? Yeah. I mean, nobody. So no, nobody, nobody, nobody ever you said need nobody to ever. have serious yeah. efforts at treatment. I'm not saying you have to lock people away in snake pits, but how about 30 days, 60 days, somebody seriously mentally ill and you know where the big mental health system is now? It's on the streets and the prisons. That's a system. 100%. 100%. 100%. And there are laws preventing physicians from intervening in these medical illnesses. That's, that's my point. And, that's my point. and, and here's, here's the other thing. Again, this is another massive ethical failing, particularly in my state. All the oversight committees... There's not a physician anywhere. These are there. It's literally like being oversight, oversighting a, a hospital filled with sick people and no doctors are allowed to get involved at all. That is disgusting to me. Not only is it ethically inappropriate, it, it's just guarantees failure. These are serious, dangerous, complicated medical illnesses. And you won't find a single physician, no. say, in Lhasa here in, in Los Angeles. It's too much. It's beyond. It's really beyond. Yeah. How could the, how could people possibly know what they need to do? How could they possibly know? They didn't have no experience treating these people. <laughs> and you see people again and again and again harming themselves, uh, being the victims of mm -hmm. crime, exploited, trafficked. Mm -hmm. It isn't just confined again to it's too much. let's fix up your mental yeah. illness. It's a whole world of cascading issues. Yep. I look at American cities and say, how could... I mean, people bitterly complained about lockdowns. Bitterly. Went crazy. Yep. Yep. How can yep. we have these homeless populations in droves all over our cities? I mean, what kind of quality of life is that for them, for us? Uh, you know, it's, 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 I'm going to say it, it's worse than the lockdowns, but we don't treat it oh. in the spirit of which you asked as a priority. It's just, oh, well, they're there and we'll step over them on the way to work or something.
Oh, no, no, no. You, you got to understand, there's active prevention from helping them. You are not allowed to help them. That's the yeah. part that's insane. But, you know, it, they, they've been labeled homeless. Therefore, if you give them a home, it's all done. It's over. So the problem is get them a home. And unfortunately, I wish it were that easy. My God, would that be great. Um, we only have you for a few more minutes. Let, I want to bring up this uh, controversial topic of um, the transplant patient, uh, Mr. David Ferguson, uh, who was not vaccinated. And I'm sure this is a really interesting case that you've thought a lot about. I, I'm wondering how how you think about it. And when I think about it, I got to say, I remember back in the days when, for instance, alcoholics couldn't get liver transplants because the assumption was they would ruin the transplant and they weren't far off. I mean, it's so that we have a long history of, of having criteria for access to these limited resources we call transplant organs. And, I, and this one got a lot of attention. I just love to hear your thoughts about it. So I'll confess, I, I've been around transplant a long time. I've helped make up some of the rules that we use to allocate people need to understand. Organs for transplant, exceedingly scarce. There are probably today 9,000 people waiting for a kidney, probably a couple thousand waiting for a heart. There will be many more deaths than transplants on any given day. So you've got a scarce resource. I was drawn to think about it because it's rationing and you got to make hard choices. Everybody should sign their donor card. Everybody should be a willing organ donor. It really makes a difference. Um, but tomorrow morning we will still not have all the organ donors we need. So we've tried to come up with principles to distribute the organs. And one overall principle is get the best bang for the buck. See who will live most likely if you give them the scarce organ, try to save the most lives, try to save the most years of life by transplanting. By the way, that means age comes into the picture. We don't flip a coin between 80-year-olds and 18-year-olds. If you need a heart at 18, you're going to go ahead of the 80-year-old because you have a much better chance of living a longer life with that heart. I agree with that. It's nothing I would disagree with. It's tragic. It's sad for the 80-year-old, but there it is. As you know, too, we also disqualify people because they smoke. Um, heart transplant programs are not going to take active smokers. They're going to make you undergo some kind of cessation program if you're abusing uh, addictive drugs, you're not coming in. There are a number of lifestyle things, even basic hygiene, to tell you the truth, because it leads to infections and death post-transplant. You have to take all these medicines to keep the organ working. So in a nutshell, what does vaccination have to do with this? It turns out if you get vaccinated before your transplant, you build up some immunity, and the doctors can work with that after the transplant, if you get exposed to COVID, or by the way, the flu, or by the way, tetanus, or the measles, or any other infectious disease. People are, and have been for years, been told you got to get all the vaccines you can, because you're going to be immune compromised, you're going to be vulnerable post-transplant, because you got to tune down your immune system to keep the transplant working. So what happened to this guy is he said, I want to do it. Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston said, then there are other people who are willing to be vaccinated. They're going to go ahead of you. And in fact, if you won't do it at all, we're not even going to list you, not because they hated him or discriminated against him. They knew they had a waiting list of many who were vaccinated and he wouldn't get an organ anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. And, and 
And I would argue, I, I knew that was going to be your your reasoning, and I, I would argue that I've actually been sort of impressed that many transplant programs have lightened up on the drug addicts and alcoholics and even smokers to give them a chance to to show motivation at getting well and, and dropping these uh, behaviors, which remember, is a leap of faith, a those, leap of faith. Right. With, with those folks, what you see is this. If I'm still actively, really heavily drinking, I'm not going to the liver program. But if I can show right. they made a sincere effort at sobriety, maybe I was sober for six right. months, most of the programs just started to move in that direction. Say, all right, you know, we'll list yeah. you, yeah. we'll take a chance. It's a little hard to be partially vaccinated or a little bit vaccinated, uh, so you don't quite see that. But again, I haven't given up on the guy in Boston. I would be talking to him every day saying, look, the odds are better for you if you vaccinate, not just COVID, but flu or whatever. Think about it again. Mm -hmm. Think about it again. What they did with him, by the way, is they gave him an LVAD. This is a device for listeners that maintains your ventricular function. It's, an, it's a partial mm -hmm. artificial the part. Autonomous thing. I don't know how yeah. long he'll be able to go with that, but yeah. it bought him a little time. And I'm certainly willing to go in there and argue with him every day. You need to get the best chance you can with these scarce hearts. I'm not going to give up on them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if I'm looking down the list and there's four people vaccinated, they're not smoking, they're not obese, and they're not a variety of other things, I know who the organ's going to. Yeah. I, and I, I, I'm, it's, it's an unfortunate you know, sort of uh, uh, alchemy. It's just an important stoichi stoichiometry really is what it is. It just has yeah. to be until there's more available organs. So if, if you're upset by this, <laughs> by the people... Way, I can jump in and uh, say two things. One, if you're upset by it, don't tear up your organ donor cord. Get more people to sign Sign it. Sign them. Sign them. Exactly. Sign them. Yeah, The exactly. other thing is, you know this... You know this, Drew, we are trying something at NYU and a few other places are trying to. We're trying to develop pigs as sources of organs. That's oh, how yeah. desperate we are. Genetically yeah. engineering these yeah. pigs to be sources of yeah. hearts and kidneys. And oh, I think that's a pretty desperate path to follow. I don't oppose it. I've been supportive of it as we try it here. Mm -hmm. That's how bad things are. We're trying to use yeah. animals yeah. to save people. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me ask this one last question. I know you've got to run here, which is, will, will the advent of wide, dis, let's say this particular guy, would the advent of widespread antiviral therapy that we have a track record with showing excellent efficaciousness, would that change the, again, the alchemy, the, the, the equation for this guy? A hundred percent. So you could move and simply say, I'm not worried about COVID anymore, or if I have a broad spectrum antiviral and I can kill the cold and the flu or whatever it is, yes. I mean, the point isn't get married to COVID vaccines. <laughs> the point is yeah. get immunity to infectious diseases before we throw you into a situation where you're going to die from infectious diseases at a much higher rate. So you can do right. it by antibodies, right. you can do it by pills. I don't really care. I, that makes perfect sense to me. Well, listen, Art, thank you for stopping by. I know you've got to go to another appointment. Uh, it's always a pleasure to get a tune-up from you. Thank you, you so uh, much for having any, me. Up, any upcoming publications we should look for? Uh, actually, uh, there's something coming very soon on a subject we'll talk about someday, which is how do we determine racial identity in America? Um, you know, oh Whoopi Goldberg got sent away yes. for contemplation. 
and you see the yes. NFL now saying wants diversity and it's all over the place. So I've got something coming out soon. I'll send it to you trying to wrestle with this a little bit. P please. I, I think there's, the, I think, I think there are two areas we've got to really dig in. That is one of them. And, and the other is the sort of, um, Eurocentric sort of uh, self-centric view of the world we all maintain <laughs> and to be, how to be mm -hmm. sensitive to other people's points mm -hmm. of view. Uh, and really not, not talk about it, really pay attention. And uh, I've said repeatedly that it was Frederick Douglass, the great orator from around the Civil War that, that broke, dropped the scales from my eyes. His, his, if you read his language, you'll, you'll, you'll all of a sudden understand <laughs> how, how, you know, how our, our field of vision is, you know, a few feet in front of our face. Yeah. And that's about it. Um, all right. Well, thank you, sir. We'll talk uh, soon and uh, good Very luck. Very good. Thank you. All right. Uh, and you betcha. And uh, Caleb, I think what we'll do is I'm going to come back and take a bunch of calls. That's my next plan off Clubhouse. Uh, let me look quickly at Restream. I'm going to take a little break. Oh, is there a bunch of, uh, are, are we getting keyboard, keyboard tough guys, Toms out there? Are there people that are uh, trolling y'all. Uh, uh, I can't quite keep up. Uh, good, good job on the sobriety there. Uh, okay. It's just Tom be being the keyboard tough guy now. Okay, good. We'll keep doing so. And Chris, I hope you heard me say that, um, we got, uh, the package, but Susan, you haven't opened it yet. Have you the mermaid dress? No, I was cleaning the garage. Yes, yes. I know. When I brought it in, I saw that. All right, take a little break and back with your calls after this. Let's talk about our friends at Hydrolyte. I can't say enough about Hydrolyte. You hear me talk about them all the time. It gets me through workouts and medical procedures and colonoscopies. And COVID, it absolutely contributed to my recovery from COVID. Hydration is key to feeling healthy. And there's never been a time when that could be more important. We're in the height of cold flu season. Every headache has got you testing for COVID. Staying hydrated can keep the questionable symptoms at bay, and there's nothing better than Hydrolyte to get it done. Taking their hydration formula one step further, now there is Hydrolyte Plus Immunity. It starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients, plus each single-serve, easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C and 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity comes in convenient, easy-pour powder sticks that rapidly dissolve in water to make a great-tasting drink that is a 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink. It uses all-natural flavors. It's gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy, or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolyte.com slash Dr. Drew. That is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash Dr. Drew. And be sure to use that code Dr. Drew 25 at checkout for a special discount. And we are back. Thank you. Uh, we check you guys on Restream, and we'll be getting the calls off uh, Clubhouse in just a second. Uh, next week on Wednesday, Chad goes deep. If you haven't seen those guys, I recommend them highly. Uh, Bethany Sean Dark on Tuesday, and uh, I'm looking at some of the other people coming up here. Hold on, I I sent um, some interesting requests to Michelle Susan. I, I just long shots just to see if people would come on and talk about stuff. For instance. You know the the girl on Euphoria that's cheating with the best friend's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend? Uh -huh. uh -huh. She put up a long post 
about some uh, bullying and how women treat her and stuff. And I thought this would be a really interesting topic. So she's we, she's get getting her. bullied when she's off the show? She's getting bullied. I, I don't quite get all the For details. For doing such a good job being mm -hmm. an actress and, she's getting, and playing a part. <laughs> she's getting bullied because she came on essentially, the, this is the best I can make of it because it all seemed really awful. Uh, she was getting bullied for no reason from female peers. She came on, she'd had a rough day or something. She came on without makeup and said, look, this is really awful. You shouldn't do this to me. Then a wave of people came in telling her she's ugly. And apparently she reacted to that. And then that created another wave of losers and trolls. And so she, you know, was sort of trying to express, I, I think she's trying to make, take the position that uh, women on women uh, acrimony is sort of out of control right now on social media. But I thought, you know, she did such an interesting job on that show. It'd be an interesting person to talk to, right? Yeah, that'd be so great. She's going after yeah, you. it's like it's like people are so open with their feelings about, you know, how they feel about you. Like I forget her name. Uh, she plays the Cassie. Let's see. I'll look it up. Cassie. She plays Cassie. Isn't that the name? Cassie mm -hmm. on you for and by the way, I cannot recommend I'm wondering where it's going, that show. I, I hope they don't end in a bad bad place. Uh, this is she. What's her name? Don't forget to get your Dr. Drew bobblehead at drdrew.com slash shop. Use the code Drew and get $5 off. Proceeds go to Hillsides. Thank you for that. Uh, we're not talking about Zendaya. Who also, I, again, that one of the questions I have for her is how do you people maintain that level of intensity across hours of television? It's just like, I, I, that to me, that's like breathtaking that, that these performances, all of them, so many of them. Well, I still can't find her name. Uh, but anyway, uh, can you eat cilantro? Yes. Not today. I'm prepping for a colonoscopy. I know. Lucky. How are you feeling? Uh, good. Let's, uh, get to the phones. Uh, actually I feel really good. I'm sort of, uh, learning better how to do this without destroying myself. Uh, Stacy, I think is the name I pulled up there. Let's see if I can get her up. Yeah. Stacy, what's going on? Oh, she brought up cilantro. I have that <laughs> gene where it tastes like soap to me. Oof. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know this, Susan? There's certain percentage I know, of people I know. that cilantro tastes I love terrible. cilantro. I am not that person. But, and know, I love to But I did, the, I did that 23andMe or the, the where you spit in the thing. Yeah, and they yeah. said that I would... I. I would think it tasted like soap. Oh, and I said, that that's not true. Oh, that's interesting. But they have at Costco, they have uh, cilantro lime shrimp. I was thinking of getting that for Sunday. All right, do it. I'm in. I'm totally in. <laughs> you I'm ordering so my Super Bowl. Everyone, everyone's giving us a, a, a peek into our life every minute of every day. Why don't we just run cameras? It. Why don't we just run cameras in here? Just put a bunch of robotic cameras. They just watch us. <laughs> watch me <laughs> order my food online. Oh my goodness. That's so funny. I feel like I'm listening to my parents talk. It's cute. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, I'm a parent too. That's the thing. It's like, we're like, it's fun. It's okay. We're guys. old. All right. What's going on? No, I'm 40. I'm old too. Anyway. Okay. But you triggered me there with the, I hate that word, but with the cilantro, because my sister and I both can't eat it, oh. but, um, and we're married to uh, an Indian and a Latino. Nice. So cilantro is like a part of daily life. And, and, uh, anyway. and you're in Puerto Rico. Is that you? <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to say, uh, well, there's a lot of things I could say, but I'm gonna go back to earlier in the conversation with the doctor. Mm. Um with regards to the vaccines. I can recall, you know, I wanted to understand, I don't understand I mean, I can't even go to a dentist right now without my third vaccine where mm. I am. Mm. But 
So I'm going to fly back to the mainland to see a dentist. Hmm. I'm going to get the third vaccine, but I just haven't done it. And you have to have it. But the, I remember not being able to work as a nurse unless you got the flu vaccine or yeah. you had to wear a mask for eight, six months out of the year. Yeah. But people get the polio vaccine. Like, wh- what is that freak out? Ness Why are people right so freak? I it's really kind of interesting, isn't it? That's a great way to kind of frame this, which is that we know this vaccine works. We know all these vaccines works. I I think the right. I, I think there's kind of two things that we could I I can think of solutions more than I can think of why the freak outness is so bad. We could come up with more vaccine choices, Covaxin, Novavax. If we had more choices, a lot of the resistant would take it. Now, now that's not necessarily rational. I understand, and there's a there's a. I mean, you know, they were very fearful of the new technology. They were fearful of the pressure that was being applied that didn't feel right to them. But it'd be really easy to educate more prop more appropriately, uh, and to provide more options in vaccine therapy. It would be so easy, it seems to me, to to really break the logjam a little bit. Can I can I just add one? I agree. And one more point based on Dr. Kaplan's point, like, <laughs> why are we fo- so focused on this and not focused on the fact that our children are being like, Mate said, like we're being, we're traumatizing our children. I know. Well, that, listen, that it's was like kinda, Gabor Mate. In, yeah. That's kind of what I was pointing out to him that there are, there are, you know, in, in, under five-year-olds, you're 11 times more likely to die in a motor vehicle accident than of COVID. You know, under 15 right. to 25, you're 10 times more likely to have suicide or overdose. And yet we're doing things that increase the risks of those things that are vastly more problematic for these kids. And that, that's the part that I'm, I'm just struggling with these days. How is your daughter doing yeah. with her assimilation? She's doing well. She's doing well. She's... um where she's but she's also repeating the same behavior she did in mm. the states because mm. we were in florida which i thought was ridiculous and now i'm like whoa it that was not ridiculous <laughs> like now it's ridiculous but she's still kind of like trying to stay in her room but i think it's it's more of a language barrier but we're gonna put her in a school but the problem is every like you can't even go into a drive through without a mask mm. like it's it's the paranoia i almost don't want her to experience it wow it 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 doesn't the how am i going to traumatize her more <laughs> well we'll see you know as some of these these states are now starting to pull back on the mask mandates we'll see if people start to get more sane with it here's here's if you listen to my interview with dr monica gandhi a couple of days ago there the the data on masks are super clear they have one utility they're not good on a mass basis. They don't do the job on a mass basis. They can protect an individual from another person over prolonged contact with an N95 or that whole class of, of masks. So if you are at risk, if you're old and you want to protect yourself, not other people, it does not protect other people. That's just the way it is. Wear it. But to have the the mass the mass mask mandate doesn't stand up to scientific scrutiny and that's that's just simply the case right now so i don't know i, I don't know, especially as this thing is falling 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 and we have antivirals and we have so many other things we can do 
it just is making um, no sense. So I, I feel your pain there in terms of what it's doing to the kids. Is that what made you call today? Yeah, yeah. It, just his comment. Yeah, I was listening in, and he was talking. Uh, well, just regard with regards to mental health, and mm. people have so many problems already. Yeah. And yeah. I, I agree that this is a problem. Coronavirus is a problem. It of course, hurt a lot of people. Of My mother in law. Yeah. Of course. But I mean. We have to weigh the risk benefit. Right. So so you're talking, were you a nurse practitioner in addition to being a nurse? No, I'm just an RN. Okay. A BSN from, well, yeah. But you're, maybe it's your but you, you'd somewhere you were, you were making decisions. I can tell just by talking to you. And so, and that risk reward decision-making, did you work in an ICU or something or ER? Correct. I was yeah. a critical care nurse, yeah. but I also was a director of nursing for a All nursing right. home that All we, right. we did a flu we had to shut down for the, like, yeah. yeah. But I, I know what you did in the ICU. I know when you're, you know, they got 12 pressers going and, you know, all the fluid management and the ventilator management, you were making minute to minute risk reward analysis, constant, constant. And that makes you very good at that. And you, someone who is good at that, I'm imagining you're watching the public health officials do no risk reward analysis and it drives you crazy. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's what I Yes, Dr. Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeans. Thank you, Jeans. All right. Yeah. And look for, I think, Susan, is your pod coming up soon with uh, the boys and me? Yeah, there's a, there's, oh my gosh. There, Maybe. there are so two, or, there are two or three, um, I would call them exceptional appearances by Susan <laughs> Pinsky coming your way I love soon. It. Exceptional. I love like, the interaction they, with they put like three or four between us because they it, don't want me to get people to get tired of me I yeah if we, i think i annoy people. tired of you no don't worry no, there, oh there's a God. lot going on over there trust me there's a lot going on in austin <laughs> and um susan is a big 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 part of it i'm trying no, to get Susan, we love you well oh, and i know stacy the people that get people are all i i want to bring christina into that mix too because people are also sort of in, we're talking about your mom's house now, which is if those of you aren't part of that, I do suggest you check that out. But they're interested in how the four of our relationships work. And I'm trying to bring that element in. And plus the two boys in the booth. We There's went all out these, to dinner one time. What do you that mean? That was it. With uh, Christina and Tom? Yeah. Well, you went on uh, where my mom's at and uh, crashed that website, yeah. essentially. <laughs> this is true. And that's what led it's you. It's funny. Yeah. Stacey. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I'm cutting you off. That's my ADHD. It's fine. It's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, it's just fun because Christina says, you know, like women, she talks about how women don't watch her show or she doesn't um, hear the women. But yes, we love it. It's like makes it free to burp in front of your husband. Like it makes it okay so, for your husband to burp in front of you or to talk about bowel issues or to talk about whatever. Wait a minute. Did, did, you say, like, I, did you say Christina doesn't, doesn't hear from the female fans? Is that what you said? She talks about how like normal moms don't watch her show. I've heard her say that a couple oh, of times. Oh, I think she's being funny. I think she's being funny. No, I, okay. I, I've never met. I'm like, oh I've, my gosh, we're there. I have never met a more enthusiastic group than the normal moms from your mom's house. They really <laughs> are extremely enthusiastic. And I think she, it's hard to tell when she's kidding, when she's not, she's so, so sharp. So but bright. you know, they're in Austin. Yeah. So she doesn't really have guests unless they're in Austin. On, on where my mom's at? Yeah. Well, I'm lobbying to get you in there. No, uh, but I mean, it's just down. like, I, I think her shows now are more just her because 
Well, you know, no, you know, she's sort of done what I've done is she's brought the Booth Boys into her show. Yeah. And so it, it's it's interesting. We, we got it. Look, this thing is constantly moving and morphing and growing and changing. And that's the great news. She about needs it. to continue that. Yeah, yeah. Continue with the Booth Boys. Like, they're fun. I love the interaction. All right. It's, all right. If they're okay with it. And I'll pass on to someone else. Okay. Everyone is good to all of it. We're all we're all having well, a good time. We're going time back in March. We're so. going back in a couple of weeks. But we, we, we have, have a we have a few shows already. We have too. a history of taking the Booth Boys out to dinner for steak, but I don't think we're going to be able to pull this off because we are going out during South by Southwest, and so we are going we'll to. We'll do something else. We're going to do a surgical strike. Out I talked to Annie. I, I want to see how he's feeling. He goes, "Great, when are you coming back? Let's go out and party." Oh, geez. Well, we'll do something else then. Maybe that's the he, thing. He, you're still trying to get the. Uh, well, I don't want to. I don't want to have don't, a spoiler. Don't, yeah, okay. don't spoil it. We're trying to drag Susan yeah, into don't. uncomfortable environments. Let's just put it that <laughs> that way. I don't know. It seems so long, far away. I am trying to bring up um, KJ two zero two two twenty twenty two if he wants to come in. Uh, as usual, what I will do. Oh, here he is, uh, James. What's going on? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, man, I want to support your bobbleheads, but if they stop bobbling, will, will I get my money back? Susan, this is my wife's deal, so I, I claim no, I claim no part of this. How about that? Well, if you put him on, you know, on the hood of your car, I'd be fine. No, 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 no. If they stop bobbling, like if it's if it's a faulty bobblehead, what what do they do? What do they do? I don't know. You'll have oh. to you'll have to call me. Okay, so he says, oh, I'll contact, get you a bobbly one. Contact to drdrew.com. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. My thing um, is, you know, I, I live in Georgia, so this was like kind of the first state to reopen. Yeah. So we've always we've always we've always always had the thing of um basically being able to you know you can wear a mask or you don't have uh, wear a mask most people wear a mask still you know mm-hmm. like in, in the, when we walk in restaurants or grocery stores and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so my question is is with you have pfizer moderna and they have um been working on a vaccine mm-hmm. so i guess it's like two two questions one is a lot of people that don't take the vaccine what i hear is they're scared of what might happen down the road right. because most vaccines have been, you know, took taken five, ten years or yes. more. Yes. And it has taken other years. So most people are feeling like it might be some type of side effects. Yes. I think that is one of the reasons, which is why. And, and they will usually point. By the way, are you in Atlanta? Yeah, I'm in Atlanta. Yeah, because yep. we, we've been in Atlanta a couple times during the pandemic. And we were out at the lakes a couple times also. And if you get out of Atlanta, you don't see any more masks. <laughs> they, just, they don't. They just yeah. stop. Yeah. They just stop. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I I am sympathetic to people being fearful of a new technology. I get it. And you know, here's what I would tell them: we have we have like Covaxin, which is a more it's it's an attenuated live virus, and you will expose your immune system to the whole virus, not just the spike protein, because people will get very worked up about just the spike protein showing up in parts of the body where it doesn't belong. There, there are ways to educationally address people's fear and concerns about the vaccines by giving them more vaccine options, different technologies, different ways of doing it. And we have just done a horrible, horrible job of of addressing that. We have not educated, we have shamed, and we have also not addressed why people don't trust the medical system. There's a lot of good reasons that certain populations don't trust us. Not Not their fault, our fault. And we should be very honest and transparent about that. And transparency is probably the other thing that we do the worst. Lots of transparency, 
might, might help get us through this. Thanks, James. I'm gonna, I got a bunch of calls I got to get to here. This is uh, our buddy Joe. Joe, I haven't heard from you in a while. I'm going to get you up here. Uh, and you can also, There you are, buddy. What's, what's happening, man? Hello, Dr. Drew. Hey, How Joe. are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm doing very well. Just very busy. Hi, Susan. I hope you're having a great day. Thank you. Very busy doing work. Are you, you, you didn't lose your, you didn't leave your job. No, no, no. I, I did. Okay. I'm doing other work. Okay, doing good. Doing other work. All right, good. So I'm um, just trying to, and I'm also trying to get out a little bit. Good. Trying to get out a little bit more. Good. So my assignments with my psychologist is to, to get myself out more. Fabulous. And I've kind of forced myself to work sporting events um, uh, again that, that involve crowds. Fabulous. So, um, but the thing is, I'm going to be wearing a P100 respirator. Um, at least for this season, because, you know, having not been exposed and we've discussed this already, having not been exposed for two years. Yeah. Really into into mass crowds. Now, I had a birthday party last weekend that, that had 11 people. Good. So that was pretty good. So, um, Joe, how about your other vaccines? Have you had the Pneumovax, Prevnar, yeah. flu, you know, shingles, all the all the rest? No. And and and, and first off. At what age do you get shingles? I thought you get shingles when you're like 60. I'm not 60. How old are you now? I'm 41. Oh, you're in your 40s. Okay. So, yeah. Thank you. No. Thank you for make, making oh, me I feel old. Well, no, I knew you weren't 60, but sometimes they will give it in the 50s. And, and I was thinking with your stuff, maybe, maybe. But no, not in your 40s. No, no. Right. Yeah. Right. right. No, no. And, 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 and I would... Um, I would definitely consider, um, I would more than likely get the shingle shot mm. because shingles is very, very painful. Yes, it is. It's awful. But, don't, but you heard. still got time. You still got plenty of time. Don't, don't, don't rush that. It's a nasty vaccine too. It's not, not a fun one. It's a two-part. No, no, right. It, it, that's what I've heard. Also, it's not, what's, what could be very nasty is colonoscopies. And I wish you all the best with that. Thank you. That's uh, up tomorrow. I actually, I, I'm getting to the point where I almost don't mind this anymore. Let's talk about Drew's butt. I sort of create, I, I sort of <laughs> quasi dread it and, but I'm getting good at it because I do it every year and I delayed it this year and that made me feel good. And, you know, I, I take, I do propofol. I do propofol. It sounds like I do heroin. <laughs> I, I take, I, I'm given, I'm administered. The only time he's mellow. He I'm administered so propofol for, for this, for this, these events. And it's always a very, intriguing experience it's it's every time it's the same thing it's the anesthesiologist usually somebody i know we're chatting and he goes are you ready here we go boom gone <laughs> that's, that's that's it just pow gone and uh, that's that's the the speed with which that stuff operates just fascinates me i have to ask you for lots of jewelry when you when i pick you up i'm not it doesn't <laughs> okay. leave me specifically groggy <laughs> caleb caleb uh but, I have to ask Susan, um, is there any chance we could try to get a bobblehead, uh, a, a, a Dr. Drew bobblehead that sings the national anthem? Oh, my God, you guys. <laughs> All right, Joe, I'm putting you back in the audience. So, All but, right, dude, have a great get day. Get out. Get out there. I'm While telling you. Vibrate. Thank uh, you. Be around people. Thrive. <laughs> go forth. It's important. It's really important to get out there. Uh, okay, I'm trying to get through everyone's calls here, so please, uh, please bear with me. Uh, this is Khalid, I believe. Uh, Khalid. Oh, I'm, I yes, think. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's happening? Uh, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. So I am, uh, I'm Khalid from Church Africa. I'm speaking right now from Africa. What, what part of Africa? Um, what part? Church. Okay. In Middle Africa. Okay. Chad. Got it. 
Got it. Yeah, I'm I'm learning English. I am just trying uh, to improve my listening skills with you, Mr. Dr. Joe. You are That's doing it. A, you're Thank doing you a you're doing a great job, frankly. English is not a is not an easy language. I've been working on my French lately and uh, I'm I'm amazed uh, I think is French are you French and Arabic are your native tongues which one is yours yeah we have two kind uh, we have two languages our official language are french and arabic and and which one did you speak as your uh, your maternal maternal language both sir both oh yeah oh <laughs> on, on peut pratiquer le français uh, quand même Bien sûr, monsieur. Oui, c'est bien ça. Je l'aime beaucoup. J'ai beaucoup de... J'ai envie de parler français. Je dois parler français. Uh, et je n'ai jamais l'occasion. So, uh, ainsi, uh, mais je vous en prie. Je vous en prie. So, for English... Merci beaucoup. Uh, ça sexy. Yeah. For, for English, um, are you planning to travel and go, go to English-speaking countries? Yeah, I would like to visit USA. Well, near future, you would be welcomed. I guarantee it. Uh, I, uh, I thank you very much. How, how are how are people doing in uh, the Central Africa regions as it pertains to COVID? To tell you the truth, um, we have very normal life here, so people live uh, normally and. And some people don't believe mm. the existence of the Oh my goodness, so. that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you come here, you'll see yeah. the opposite, but uh, I, I want you to come <laughs> visit us and, and do me a favor, I'm gonna put you back in the audience, uh, that you're, don't just go to one city. This city, this country is like multiple different countries. Make sure you check out some different regions and different cities and uh, and you will be more than welcome to, to join us here. So we appreciate that. Um, I'm again, I'm just blowing through the calls here. I'm watching you guys on restream. Thank you for your calls, people. And this is uh, Anna. Anna, what's going on? Hi, Dr. Drew, or bonjour. Bonjour, ça va bien. <laughs> yes. Um, so I just um, wanted to um, say thank you for, you know, um, you know, pushing forward with this stuff and being very pragmatic about the situation. Um, I'm someone who is very um, struggle with trusting the medical field, even though I do believe there's many good doctors out there. Mm. Um, I finally made a, made a doctor's appointment soon. Good. But um, yeah, it's just, I mean, I just want to share that perspective of why, you know, I'm not anti-vax. I'm definitely pro-flu vax because that helped me. Mm. But um, it's just, <laughs> I, um, you know, I just want accountability with my doctor when I meet them. That's all I ask. Yeah. You know? Well, you, you, you hopefully, I don't know how you chose this person, but hopefully be somebody who will establish a relationship with you, get to know you, understand your risk tolerance, your goals, your preferences, and make decisions with you given that context. Uh, if the, if it's somebody that just, you know, what's your complaint and looking at their computer, that's not going to go very well. That's not gonna. That's mm -hmm. not gonna. That's not gonna meet your needs. I'm afraid, and unfortunately, yeah. there's too much of that. There's way, way, way too much of that. 
Yeah, because I, I took care of my dad dying from lung cancer now 16 while my mm. mom was working. And, mm. you know, I know it's a very aggressive cancer and it was, you know, self-imposed. I mean, he was a smoker. Mm. So I learned very early of uh, the pros and cons of the medical field, you yeah. know, and yeah. people are imperfect, you know, so yeah. it's just, um, how, it's how, just that's how, what how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 34 now. I'm yeah. 34 and so, I didn't want to become a nurse. At some point, so. You want to become a nurse? Is that what you said? No, I wanted to become a nurse when I was younger, but I know how competitive it is too. And I know there's also a lot of people in the industry who are in it for the wrong reasons too, you know? Yeah, but our nursing so. colleagues are, are, I cannot say enough, but, but yes. you, you're, the good news is under 50, you don't have to worry about much in most cases. I mean, you, you know, do okay. see a doctor if you get significant symptomatology, but you know, at 50 is when it becomes really important to start the screening, the really aggressive screening, uh, regular screening. Now, obviously, a mammogram, a pap smear, whatever your particular risk factors and issues are need to be assessed in terms of getting your screening underway. But uh, gosh, you know, my thing is healthy young adults, the more time they spend away from the medical system, the better. Mm? Okay. Okay. Right. Also, but I mean, I'm, I'm the one that has like infertility issues too, so that's why I'm going to see doctors for that. What kind of issues? Um, I'm sorry. What do you have? Infertility. Oh, um, okay. Well, then do. Yeah. That that needs yeah. to that look. There's a that's a vast area. There's a lot to be done. Keep um, <laughs> keep a positive yeah. attitude. This is my my recommendation to keep a positive attitude, and in success, expect to be treated like an incubator. Not like a person. Okay. I, oh, wow. I'm, I'm stunned at how what they put women through without warning. How disruptive it is, and how and women are so motivated. They're so they're so taken with the desire to complete the process. They just leap into it. But just make sure somebody is sympathetic to what you experience. That's all. You just need support yeah. as you go through it. Okay. Yeah. And and last question is regarding traveling. Since you've been traveling a lot, um, that's one of the reasons why I want to. Well, where vaccines will help, I feel like. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am Polish. I was born here, but I want to go visit. Because of COVID, I wasn't able to visit like family. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been able to visit family for a while. And like a lot of them are really old. <laughs> and I think some of them did die from COVID too. But mm -hmm. it was they're up in like the late 80s, 90s age range. And they live in small villages out there. So I don't want to come over here from California and then possibly, you know, wreak havoc over there. Is there like well, any concern? I mean, there's, that, there's like, not, it's not zero concern, right? And this, yeah. it's not, look, this thing is, the the trend line is extremely good right now. The, the case rate is okay. falling precipitously. So you don't have to worry so much about carting something from here over there, number one. Number two, you, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the travel is more the issue. Are you going to get exposed mm -hmm. to somebody during the travel? But you know, get again, you can protect yourself with an N95 mask, not others, yourself. And so it makes okay. perfect sense to me that you'd be testing, wearing a mask carefully. Are you, are you vaccinated? Not yet. That's I'm looking for a doctor first. Or, yeah. um, I, I, and then, I you, mind, and again, you might want to yeah. wait for some of these newer vaccines that are coming online. I don't know. That's up to you. But, but, okay. you know, discuss that with your doctor. And yes, you want, if you're going to do that kind of travel, you want to be back. Well, they won't, they won't let you move around without a vaccine. So you kind of have to. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Good luck. All right. Thank Bye. you so much. You Bye. Bet. Bye. Uh, again, some more calls here. Uh, okay, Josh, give you a chance here. Josh, hey, what's up? Drew. Yes, sir. Not much. Um, I wanted to talk about Heather McDonald. Mm -hmm. um, I watched the YouTube video, mm -hmm. and um, 
what struck me was what was going through her mind. Um, Nothing. She had before. no blood. She had no blood pressure for a second and collapsed. She had zero blood pressure. That's why right. she collapsed with such force. And right. a young, healthy adult, sudden loss of blood pressure has a diagnosis attached to it. That does not happen. Just, oh, well. Now you can, whether it's pot syndrome from the vaccine or the COVID or whether it's a cardiac arrhythmia or whether it's a vascular event, it has a cause. And unfortunately, they were not coming up with any specific diagnosis yet. She wasn't really worked up for all that stuff and she's not really interested in it. Um, but it really brings up the point about COVID that autonomic instability, sudden significant elevations in blood pressure and drops in blood pressure are not uncommon. And if you feel, if you've had COVID or if you've already been vaccinated, you feel lightheaded, you feel weird, sit down, lie down, stay well hydrated. Do not go on long drives. This is a serious, serious medical problem and can, as you see, lead to these falls. People that have just, you know, swoon or are fainting, whatever, they fall forward and they put their hands in front of their face. And they remember falling down. Heather, and presumably uh, Saget as well, collapsed backwards with sufficient force to fracture the skull. Both of them. That is a medical problem, period. That's how that happens. And so, you know, it needs more, it needs a, an explanation. And so there you go. Right. That was well, the scariest part I, for me. I'm not talking about... Seeing how hard she fell? Oh no, because it, it reminded me of whenever I slipped and fell after that surgery a year or two ago. Do you remember? I uh, yes. It was after my second surgery, and I was out of the hospital fine. And then I had gotten up in the middle of the night and went to the bathroom. And somehow, in that yes. space of time, I fell. I think I dropped my phone in the dark, tried to find it, and then yeah. I fell and slipped over. And my wife basically found me like at four a.m. And I thought I had gone blind, like I couldn't see anything. It was blacked out, and I thought I had been out gone for like ten minutes. Until the nurse explained, no, you, yeah. you do, people don't pass out for 10 minutes like that. It was basically no, for like a minute no, or two. No, it was, it was, no. It yeah. was way scarier and, than the and surgeries. So, and so well, let me ask you, this is actually a very important question. What, had you finished urinating or started urinating when you passed out? Uh, you know? It was It was after. It was immediately after. Yeah, uh, so that's I was called, leaving that's the called bathroom. post, that, that has a name. That is called post-micturation syncope. And it's a common cause of syncope. And having had surgery, being on meds, you know, all, all that stuff added to it. Liquid um, diet. Yeah. yeah. All that. All There's something that happens after urinating that your pressure will drop. That that happens to some people. Uh, it's, again, it has, you, if you looked up post-micturation syncope, you will find it in Google. I remember that was the, the first question Susan for, asked me. It was whenever we told her, did, I was you, like, Wait, did, you, did you just finish yeah. peeing? That's what Drew wants to know. Because <laughs> yeah, you knew yeah. right away what it was. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah. No, and, I didn't, I didn't think of that. That, that was, was my Drew's, thing. Yeah. And then yeah. you add in the meds and everything else that drive the pressure down further yeah. and your weakness and stuff. Oh, and it, it's, scary. It, again, it's, it's the, the, the passing out, then falling down, an unconscious, then fall. That's a very different thing than fall than unconscious. Is that heart related or is it just blood pressure? Or it's what? it's sort of like the pot so, syndrome I was talking about. It, it's, it is it, some people. Dr. Drew? Yeah, hold on a second. Some people after they urinate, they'll notice a little tingling on their spine 
Uh, is that is that ever you, uh, Caleb? Is that ever you notice anything like that? No, like I didn't see. I didn't even notice any of it. I, I no, no, no. I don't mean at that time. Right. I mean ge generally in your life. Do you get any kind of no, you know, not shivering can, or anything like that? Mm -mm, no. Yeah. So pe I think I people know, get yeah. that, and that is that is their autonomic nervous system reacting to the uh, post micturation. Josh, you yeah. had something there. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I, I don't want to talk about Bob Saget in this. I just want to separate. Uh, Heather McDonald's um, and what I saw and what she was, what it looked like to me was before she passed out, before she lost consciousness, before she fainted, uh, she was telling a joke about Jesus and she was telling, uh, saying something about how much she thought in the joke. Yeah, that's a, that's uh, a joke that she, that joke she opens every night with. That's her joke. Right. So my, my point is this, um, she was saying how much Jesus loved her in the joke. And from what I, from my point of view, just seeing a little bit that I saw, um, I would think that that's more a spiritual experience that no. led to the fainting. Zero, zero probability, zero probability and a dangerous, dangerous thing to, to speculate about. Uh, if you're not a medical person and you see somebody unconscious and you begin to come up with uh, theoretical frames for diagnosing a condition, that's dangerous. I think uh, Jesus kept her alive, though. <laughs> maybe so. She was lucky. Maybe so. She, she, she so did that. Lucky. She did that joke every night. And she oh, did maybe it. it and works. She discussed it now every day or throughout the day talking <laughs> about what happened. And uh, no, there is that, that is well. Uh, she she fainted at the right time. She was in in front of an audience, so that they yeah. were able to save her. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, I mean, it could have gone bad. But if somebody had said, "Oh my God, you were struck by the spirit! How how lucky you are!" as opposed to took her to the hospital and she and she was taken right to the intensive care unit. There is no spiritual awakening <laughs> that ends you in the That's ICU. That's science. So you know. no, but I mean, come on. I I think that I think that her spirituality is is a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm saying she had a medical but problem. But she was making a joke about it. So it, a, I don't know. I guess Jesus loves comedians too. Yeah. Uh Osmond. Uh hi Dr. Drew. Yeah. So um it's kind of a three-part thing. It has to deal with Crohn's and weight loss. Okay. Um, back in 2019, I decided to drop weight. I was at 290, and I ended up dropping a lot of weight in only four months by doing keto and very badly, only eating around mm -hmm. a 1,000 or so calories. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, I think I may have kick-started my system because my mom has Crohn's. Mm -hmm. And ever since that, I cannot eat vegetables Every time I eat vegetables afterwards, um, I have very bad acidic diarrhea mm. and it feels like I have cramps. Okay. Um, and it's the entire time it's just squeezing, it's painful, and I get that in bursts. And it's usually every 20 minutes to a half hour for an entire day. If I eat more than, let's say, like a cup half of like vegetables, I get that for the entire day. Mm -hmm. And it's horrible. And that has kind of scared me from trying to lose weight because i've since then gained it all back like Ooh. people usually do when you do it unhealthily yeah yeah um i have gained pretty much all that back and more mm. and now i tried to eat healthy with eating eat starting to eat clean with vegetables and it does that again no matter how much i try to um do substitute how, with a little how, bit more of like how is your sorry how is your crohn's being treated 
it is not. That's the bad thing. I've been jumping around from job to job and I just now got insurance. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start going to the doctor, do some blood, blood screening mm-hmm. and have them check it out to see what's going on. How was it. it diagnosed? It, it wasn't. I'm just worried that I may have it and I may have kickstarted it by doing that. I, d- I don't know that I have it. I just know do my mom have, was diagnosed with do it. Do you have any blood in the stool? Um, no, it is just very, it's very acidic, very liquidy. Do, do, you, um, do you have pain? Yes, very bad pain. It's pain around the actual um, like butthole and then cramps the entire time. Like mm-hmm. my insides are basically squeezing yeah. and contracting well, while I'm trying to pass the stool. That's the yeah. diarrhea. Caleb, as a co- uh, yeah, how old are you? How, uh, how old are you? Um, Poor Caleb. Um, I'm 23. I'm 23. I'm, this uh, happened back yeah. when I was 21. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's around whenever I was first my Crohn's was first uh, diagnosed is around whenever I believe I was 21 and I thought that I had gotten food poisoning. And so I I just mm-hmm. I went into the doctor and I it actually turned out to be my first big Crohn's flare. Uh, I don't know if this is the best medical advice, but what I've actually had to do is I literally have not eaten any fruits or any vegetables in about 10 years. I just stri- I mean, no raw fruits or vegetables yeah. at all. I have to get my yeah. all of my raw, raw fruits and vegetables from other yeah. ways. Yeah. They are, yeah. They are hard for us to digest. People don't appreciate how how difficult roughage can be. And if your bowels are inflamed from Crohn's or other mm-hmm. inflammatory bowel diseases, it it can trigger things. I I you know, there it, it seems like you should be working with a dietitian, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're and very, that's the other thing is yeah. with losing weight, that's the biggest thing is trying to find a diet that I can actually do that doesn't kind of give me pal fatigue because it's just I, I get it. I get constant it. meats I get it. and I can't I get eat vegetables. And so it's trying to like find something that I can actually work around. And plus, I do have a really bad habit of um, like a lot of my friends, when they get anxious, they don't eat. I'm mm. the complete opposite. I'll pretty much eat my feelings away. Yeah. So I need to work right, with so, that too. Um, I can eat tuna. I've never tried sam. Uh, cod is you gotta try salmon and then other processed fish. Salmon is try salmon. I've been told, I've been told salmon is amazing, but but more, (laughs) most importantly, you need to get to a gastroenterologist. You need to get actually diagnosed. I mean, it you know, you you don't want to end up in the hospital like I did. No, you know, you want to get on top of it, and there's a lot of good treatments for Crohn's right now, and you can maybe get under control and liberalize your diet, and then. The, the gastroenterologist will know a good dietitian, and that you just you just got to do this. You who wants to hassle with this? Nobody. You got to do it. It's just you're yeah. you're it's really important. And you know, I, I want you to think um, positively. I mean, these things you're looking you're lucky time when people inflammatory bowel disease are highly manageable, and when you have these resources available, such as great dietitians, registered dietitians are so great. Understand the you know complexities of what you're dealing with, and. Uh, I would just take full advantage of what, what's available out there. Yeah, the, you, the first can, medication I, that Caleb they tried on me. Jump in. Oh, the first yeah. medication that they tried on me, it, it actually worked for 10 years where I didn't, I, I was completely yeah. had no issues at all for a full 10 years. And that was yeah. whenever I had to get surgeries was after that medication, I kind of built up, I don't know, like antibodies or whatever happened with it where I had to switch over to something else. And then I just kind of let it go for too long. So don't let this go too long, sir. <laughs> you got to go get this looked at. And, yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. You, can, you can get abscess. The sooner you get, get it, the, the lower chance you have of having to get a surgery. 
And I uh, lived, you know, I'd practice on days when the Crohn's patients used to have to take steroids. And even then they would get fistulas up all over the place. It just was terrible, terrible, terrible sometimes. And, uh, and yeah, you want to, you want to definitely uh, get proper counseling. I'm, the registered dietitian will give you the, you know, will determine whether you need just the supportive counseling of a dietitian or actually need to see a therapist to help with some of that binge eating and that sort of thing. Uh, Ryan, go ahead here. Hey, Doctor. Hi, Ryan. Um, so I was just curious. Uh, I had a antibody uh, COVID antibody blood test taken, mm -hmm. and uh, it showed it, like the only values it shows is like if you were negative, and it was like 0 .08, uh, right. and, that, and that's obviously your negative. Right. Um, What's well, like a? I, I guess not like a good number, but just like a higher number of like antibodies. Right. That's because I was just trying to like weigh my pros and cons, like. Uh, risk reward for like getting the booster because I have uh, both my Moderna shots and yeah. I haven't got my booster yet. Yeah, and my my uh, antibodies are actually pretty good still. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why I was just kind of like weighing like pros and that, cons. That is but not, I'm not that, sure. The tests that are commercially available are not good ways of assessing your immunity. They're just not. Okay. Uh, and we got to remember that you know sixty percent or so wane over six to ten months. So the probability is you could be benefited. Um, for sure. Uh, but, you know, there's uh, there's a thing I used to represent and, I used to, and I'm still following myself for myself called an editic score. I know they just applied for an emergency youth authorization to really start to standardize how to really create some sort of documentation of immunity. Are you immune? Are you right. not? And uh, the tests that the tests that are commercially available are just, ha have you been vaccinated? Have you been exposed? Yes or no? That's about all you answer okay. with those. So, and then as far as like being exposed, um, so my wife had COVID, uh, and I got my antibodies done prior to her having COVID and, and she's like, good now, everything's good. I didn't catch COVID. Uh, do you think my antibodies would be higher just from being, uh, like close contact with her or would there, I have to actually get the virus? There, there is such a thing as people having exposure and generating an immune response. It's not as, not as robust as if you actually got an infection, but there is, right. uh, there is such a thing. There is such a thing. Do you have a doctor you can talk to about all this stuff? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah to, make, make the decision together with somebody. I, you're, you're how old? Yeah. Uh, 30. And I am overweight. So that's why I was kind of like trying to balance like, uh, pros and cons. Like I said, I'm how, overweight. How did you do? How did you do with the Moderna vaccines? Uh, first vaccine, I didn't feel anything, just sore arms. Second vaccine, I did get a fever for about a day, uh, like a pretty, pretty aggressive fever. Um, but then that, those are like my only symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. These are, these are, these are, I mean, it's reasonable to think this all through carefully and not just jump right into it at your age. Um, but right. I, I think I, I, if I were you, I would probably do it. That's me. I'm not okay. saying as a physician, I'm recommending you do it. I'm saying, eh, if I were you, I'd right. probably do it. I'm, I'm wanting to move about. I have, you know, weight issues that could put me at real risk. I, you know, I might, I might I'd probably do it. All right, my okay. friend. Thanks yeah. for the call. Cool. Thank right. you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you guys coming in today. Uh, thank you, Dr. Art uh, Kaplan, for um, for spending time with us. Uh, although we didn't have as long as we would like, we at least got a, some some exposure to him. Uh, I'm seeing you guys on uh, Restream here. I'm not quite sure. As always, I see sort of um, random uh, sort of negativity. <laughs> I'm not quite never sure what to make of it because I'm not uh, following the stream in real time, so I don't see where it all started. Um, Let's see. I'm going to go open up my mermaid dress from Chris. Here, why can't I get drunk while I'm taking injectable sublocade? 
you're, if you're doing all that, if you're using other substances and alcohol, you're missing the point. Um, and, and really, you ought to be really thinking about something more comprehensive in your care. Uh, you're going to go try the mermaid dress? Very yep. good. Excellent. So I'll we'll take a picture for you, Chris. And we'll be back again. I'm going to have my colonoscopy tomorrow. Hopefully that will go uneventfully. And, and eat uh, Chinese food while you drink liquids. Tonight? Mm -hmm. Congratulations. It's downstairs. Uh, Bethany Shondark back on Tuesday. Chad goes deep on Wednesday. And uh, we got a lot of other interesting people set up. So that'll be on Tuesday. We will uh, thank you, Caleb, for setting this up. Thank you, Michelle, for booking everything. And Susan, thank you. And uh, thank, thank you for, for what? whatever you have to put up with tomorrow with my colonoscopy. <laughs> so I know you like taking care of sick people. It's your favorite thing. No, it's fine. Uh, I'm just going to drive you there. And uh, we will see you all on Tuesday. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.